Hello, Somerville. Welcome back to the Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need when life happens. I'm your host, Yaden Smith, and this week, I'm super excited. I know I say that every week, but it's, it's because it's true. I, I get excited to have these conversations with our guests every week, and this week is no exception. This week, we have David Gravelin of Wishbone Heritage Farms, uh, the, uh, if, if I am correct, the closest farm to Somerville that is at the local farmer's market. You're right up the street in St. George, David. Yeah, yeah welcome. Right up the street welcome. in St. George. Thanks, Jaden. I'm honored to be here. So David founded Wishbone Heritage five years ago to help people rebuild a relationship with their food, where it comes from, how it's grown and raised, and how to prepare it. And David, I don't want to steal any more of your thunder, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself. You know, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? How'd you get started? Now, I know, because we've known each other for a long time, but your backstory on what you did before this, listeners, you're going to love this. Go ahead. Yeah, I guess my life has been um, a bit of a ride, so to speak. It started off when I was little, um, having my grandfather be a farmer. And I was really little. He I don't died. think I knew that. He died when I was seven. Um, but when I was really young, I was spending time in his greenhouse, in his gardens. Um, his main business was always eggs. And, and he did where, a where huge was your grandfather a farmer, David? In Rhode Island. Okay. Where I spent uh, the first 18 years of my life. Um, so as a little boy, I was um, right up close and personal with an active, vibrant farm with plants and vegetables and wow. animals. And um, that's so cool. It, it was amazing. Um, but what happened as I went through school, um, was that I was, I was directed towards a very different path. Um, and I had very career minded parents, Mm -hmm. um, who were both teachers and worked for 30 plus years in predominantly the same school system. And, um, that was how they saw their lives and that's what worked for them. They, 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 they wanted you to focus on like a 30 year career somewhere. Yeah. I mean that, I think that's the previous generation. That's the way we saw employment was to have that job security, work hard, be someplace for 30 years and then retire. It was an amazing gift after, you know, my dad's mom went through the great depression and Mm. to have a solid job for that long with a retirement plan, healthcare and all these were amazing things for our parents. It's something that the world had never seen before. Yeah. It's just incredible. Um, for me being led on that path, um, I think was, was a real distraction to what I was meant to do to my purpose because, um, the direction that I was led in was very much towards a high paying financial security type of job and system where I would be focused on, um, Things like retirement and healthcare, and making sure that I had financial security throughout my entire life. Right. What happened is I wound up sort of coming out of college with um, a sociology degree, um, just so I could kind of get out of school right. and, and move on to the next step. Um, and I think I was driven on to something bigger and better. And I, I thought, what, what could be bigger and better than than New York City. 
the some would say the modern day Rome. <laughs> some would. Yeah. Some would. There might be more comparisons there <laughs> than we would like. <laughs> um, but I spent a long time there, and uh, my first job in New York, my first real job in New York, was in in finance in the securities industry, and I spent fifteen years uh, just outside of New York City in finance and insurance, and working in offices with fluorescent lighting and and no windows or oh, few goodness. windows, and you know, spending the predominance of my days, you know, working sun up to sundown and uh, inside. So it's quite a change now. <laughs> As you can imagine, being a being a full time farmer, um, I spend a good majority of my sun time up to sundown is pretty field. much outside. Yeah, I spend more time at my desk than I than I care to admit. There right. is a lot of, to the business side and the marketing side of of being a farmer. Um, the planning side um, it takes a tremendous amount of time. So, what years were you in New York doing the, in the financial industry? Um, I was in the financial industry in New York from about um, the year 2000 to 2013, so 13 years actually. Wow. So you were there when it all just, just dissolved? Two or three times, oh. yeah. <laughs> On multiple occasions. Oh, I can't imagine what that must have been. The stress. Yeah, it was... Um, everything's really reactionary Yeah. Um, in the world now. And oh especially God. in financial markets, everything moves so incredibly fast. Um, and there was an innate stress and then, in and then that for What sure. happened in 2013 where you're like, this, this, this is not working. This is, this is not me. Was there a moment or an event where you look back and like, that's the moment where it, it started to break apart? There were, I think it was a series of moments. Yeah. Um, I look back at a couple of, um, clients of mine that I had sort of idolized and said, Hey, this is the goal. Like, um, on paths to early retirement or having just retired and with financial security to an extreme. And it didn't look like happiness to me. Mm. It looked like a lot of the same problems that I was currently having at the time. A lot of frustration. Um, it didn't look like it was the end of a life's work. Like all of a sudden there was going to be these decades of reward. Right. This, this kind of phantom retirement um, idea that like your life starts at 55 or 65. If you, you know, just work your butt right. off straight for 30 years, you should be able to get to that point. And that dream started to, to really crack and fall apart um, for me about 2012. Because I, and I, I reckon in the financial industry, working with clients to an extreme level, like you had a front row view of, oh, yeah, money doesn't really buy. All his bills are paid, and he still hates everything. Yeah. Not only I mean, are all his bills paid, but he can do anything he wants. One of the biggest problems with New York that I always say, and this yeah. equates back to Rome, I'm yeah, sure, bring it on. is that everyone in New York City knows someone that makes twice as much money as they do. And that's still... You You make a million bucks a year? Who cares? You could be making $100 million a year and you know someone making $200 million. 
Um, so it, it's it's a it's never enough. It's a black hole. Never like enough. You can it is. It's never it, enough. Rockefeller said, and, "How much money's enough? Just a little bit more." Yeah, just a little bit more. It's true, but it's a it's a downward spiral. It's like you can get sucked into it very easily. Um, and I was, and I I feel like I spent a good portion of my life chasing that dream and as it turns out it it wasn't my dream it wasn't your dream yeah it took me a while to realize it though how, how good did you realize it i remember a a article that i read or maybe it's just one of those quotes you see on facebook or instagram somewhere where there are two times you're born in life mm-hmm. when you're first born and then when you realize why something That's, like that yeah yeah i get that completely i think um when my focus started to shift when I was in New York, I was really just saying to myself, like, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. You know, that was the key moment was I got to do this differently because right now life isn't adding up to where I want it to go. Um, so I had to make some really hard decisions to change my business at the time and allow myself back into my life Mm, um, mm -hmm. because my work had really owned me Um, and that started started a wild ride Um, one of the things when I was an extreme workaholic towards the end like I was working 120 hours a week Um, working from home in an office at home is a terribly slippery (laughs) soap when you can have an idea at 11 30 p.m. and hop on right to your desk and start working on something, plugging away, and all of a sudden, you know, the hours. There are just only fly 168 by. hours in a week. Yeah, yeah. It's no. It it was work, sleep, That's work, four sleep. Four hours of sleep. So so my commute was, you know, from my bed, 25 to your steps, desk, and I would stop at the coffee pot. Oh my god! Hit the desk, and it was pretty much the same on the way to bed. Um, so it was a lot, but when I started to really create a break and reinsert my personal time, my, my first thing that I recognized was, was, hey, what am I still doing that is really part of me, that resonates with me? And I would always, uh, without fail, every week, take a couple hours to do some cooking in the kitchen, to fire mm. up some food, to prep some meals for the week. Um, might have been healthy, might have not been healthy. <laughs> but it was fun for me, and it was always yeah. something that I did, no matter how busy I was. Um, so I started to really light a, light a fire under that. I started to do it more for one and then caught wind of, um, cooking classes going on in, in New York city. And that was one of the greatest gifts I had from being in and so close to Manhattan, um, was the, uh, Institute of Culinary Education there ran a phenomenal recreational program with literally hundreds of cooking classes you could choose from. And I started taking, you know, one a week in the evenings. And then after my first few, I caught wind of this, this like sort of like master's class that they did. And it was oh, okay. five days in a row, like 10 to three, middle, Ooh, middle okay. of the day. Middle of the business day. During the week. And I caught wind of that. I really wanted to do it, but I didn't see how it would be possible. Right. And a little book crept into my life called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Nice. And it taught me to really challenge the rules. So what I did was I got up really early. And I started sending emails 
to everybody in my work life that I thought would email me that day or have something for me or give me something to do. Right. And I gave them something to do or to follow up. Oh, nice. And then I left and I went to cooking class for five hours in the middle of the day. And then check your email when you got back. Check my email when I got back. Late at night, usually. Might stop for a drink on the way back from cooking (laughs) class. And at like seven or eight at night, they'd get another email from me on the same day. You know, started at 5 a.m., ends at 8 p.m. Like, oh my gosh, David's been working all day. All day. He never quits. No (laughs) one would ever think, hey, where was this guy in the middle of the day? You know, was he at the ballpark? Was he in a cooking class? No, no, he was working at his desk. And it just, it showed me that I could really mess with the rules and that that's awesome. I could decide that's awesome. how to live my own life. And that was an incredible realization for me. But what happened next was really huge step. I decided to take my show on the road and do some traveling. Okay. Um, and my I first, mean, if you're working at, at home, what's to stop you from working? Yeah, if I'm working away at from home, home. Um, and a lot of my business was New York focused. Like there were lots of meetings um, with clients and seminars and different things that we were doing. But I decided that I'd whittle down my work week mm-hmm. and try to just keep what was important and take out the noise or give it to somebody else to do. And my first real test of that was I decided to head out to Chicago, stay with a friend there for a month and see what working from home looked like on the road. So working while traveling, just really taking a hard look at what was important what I personally really needed to be doing in the business Mm -hmm. versus what I could either outsource to somebody else or just cut out completely. Right. And that made a huge difference. It took me a year to leave New York um, to dismantle my life and change things around and keep what I wanted and let go what I didn't. Um, That was a really long process figuring that out. Um, And when did you end up in Somerville? Like what, what year did you arrive? Did you land here? Um, August 13 is when I, I started the farm in Ridgeville. And was that 2013? Yeah. 2013. Nice. Wow. Five years already. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Coming up on the five year anniversary. Um, and I guess, so my travels being completely uprooted and open, like a really open stage in my life. Um, I didn't know where I was where I was headed, like where my life was headed. And I had created the space for something to come in. And I was in Memphis at the time, met a farmer at the farmer's market and started cooking his produce and his wares, the fruits of his labor. And built a relationship over a couple of weeks, wound up volunteering on his farm. And the third day I went out there, it was horrible. It was like <laughs> 95 <laughs> degrees, Memphis heat, and we were fencing outside. You, don't, got, you don't mean sword fighting? No, no, no. Like <laughs> hanging fence, stretching wire, <laughs> nailing in posts, um, just sweating and dirty, and I get stung by this really aggressive bee. It was just a horrible day uh, by... Many. By New York standards. By New York standards, it was just horrible. And, I, and I, I was walking back to my truck at the end of the day, and I was like, wow, this was fantastic. This was awesome. I think I could really do this. Oh, my gosh. That's so incredible. And, it, you know, it, I didn't realize at the time, but it resonated with 
you know, the, I think the time I spent with my grandfather as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I want that. I want yeah. more of that in my life. I want a piece of that. I want to um, make a difference when it comes to food. And that's sent me on this wild ride. And next question after, you know, can I farm? Do I want to farm? Was, where am I going to do it? And the low country in Charleston just screamed at me. You started on leased land mm-hmm. in Ridgeville. How many how many acres did you have there? Um, in Ridgeville, we had seventeen. Seventeen acres, lots of woods. Yeah, predominantly remember. woodlands. In St. George, things are flip flopped a little bit. I'm down to thirteen acres, and I've got about two thirds of it is pastures, grass. So you got ten um, acres. Yeah, so we've got a lot less land for pigs okay. in the woods. So I've been downsizing, focusing my herd there, we'll mm-hmm. say. And at the same time, I've got a lot more grass, which is a huge opportunity. Uh, so we've been growing growing a flock of sheep. Sheep? Yeah. Let, then let, let's jump into that for just a minute. What, what, all, what all do you farm for listeners who haven't seen you at the farmer's market? So predominantly um, our main big businesses right now our eggs, uh, chicken, pork, and we partner with uh, another local farm, Solo Verde Meats, to bring grass-fed and finished beef to market. The core ethos of the farm being um, as organic as we possibly can right? and certainly antibiotic-free. You definitely have your work cut out for you, Dave. But I, I know that y'all are doing awesome things. Thank there you. at Wishbone Heritage, and I'm thrilled that you're here in the area. So here, here's, here's what I want to, to move into next is as an expert in your field, mm-hmm. and I'm going to let you define what your field is. <clears throat> I'm not going to make that decision for you, right? Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, whether it's farming or, you know, a previous career, whatever, what would you say to the average person some pieces of advice to the average person that could improve their life. Absolutely, Aiden. Um, my first piece of advice is to sow seeds. As a farmer, I see seeds as incredibly powerful tools. In my first year at the farm and in farmer's markets, we'd joke around um, when we had a good day at the market some other vendors might ask, oh, how was your day? How was your day? And I would kind of roll my eyes and just say, oh, just sowing seeds, hoping to have mm-hmm. a, a bigger business day in the future. We're just sowing seeds. And I, I chuckled to myself at the time because what I was doing back then was filling a huge need in the community. So there was a lot of demand and business was really good from the get-go. Costs were also extremely high, but business was good. Sales were good. Um, and I don't think I realized then that I really was sowing seeds in the community and really building a, a network of customers and of support. Um, but this time of year in the spring, I think we, we need to sow seeds for our businesses. Mm-hmm. As a farmer, I am sowing seeds almost every two weeks year round, right through the winter, I sow seeds. We grow grasses, legumes, plants on pasture for our animals to eat. This is how I offset feed cost is by using and leveraging the power of seeds. 
And you think about it, these little tiny amazing gifts become some enormous plants mm-hmm. that in turn can create thousands of seeds right. from just one. And the amount of leverage that that gives us in life, whether they're plants or whether they're more figurative seeds, I think is, is really incredible. So sowing seeds, planting seeds. I read seeds. somewhere that you can count the number of seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. Absolutely true. Right? Like there's, you have no, no idea how many, how a seed is going to exponentially grow. Absolutely. You can't count it. That's awesome. Sow seeds. Uh, number two, I think probably resonates the most with me <laughs> is to eat well. Eat well. And I thought I was doing a really good job at this up until last year. Um, I almost predominantly would eat proteins only from my farm and vegetables from other farms locally in the area. But every once in a while, I'd cave and visit five guys. There you go. You know, French fries. It's hard to, it's hard to duplicate those French fries at all. It's really difficult. But what happened in my life is that I started having a bunch of symptoms late last year that I wasn't happy with. Like I had a lot of brain fog and I just wasn't clear. My memory really wasn't up to par. And I know I'm getting old. I just turned 40, but something wasn't right. And I wound up getting a food allergy test done Mm, in November. And I thought I was eating healthy. And I thought I was a really healthy person, actually. It turned out that my digestive system was not processing food well. And I was pretty highly allergic to 25, Please don't tell me you were allergic to eggs. I was. Oh my gosh. And here's, here's the thing, Aiden, is that being an egg farmer, I had abused the privilege of eating eggs. I was eating five <laughs> eggs a day. Yeah. Every day. Um, you know, it was eggs for breakfast and then a couple hard boiled in the afternoon. And it was, it's not a true allergy. It's something that, um, I've worked really hard to heal. Gotcha. Okay. Um, okay. because my, now my stress level went down. My digestive okay. <laughs> system was not processing the proteins in chicken eggs correctly. It was overloaded. I had overloaded it. So um, I guess when I say eat well, I really mean that we take food into our bodies at least three times a day every day. Mm-hmm. And we put more food in our bodies and more drink in our bodies than we do anything else. Sometimes we expect um, medication or supplement or a tiny little pill, or a bit of aromatherapy, or any sort of practice that we do in a really small amount to counteract what we do <laughs> three, four, five times a day. I just had a 16 ounce ribeye, but don't worry, I have my little... Yeah, your cholesterol yeah. pill isn't gonna solve <laughs> that problem. Um, so I think when I say eat well, I really mean you know take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Like if you want, to be truly healthy and not be dependent on supplements and medication, you need to be an A student when it comes to your eating. And I did that after my allergy test because I was pretty much forced to. Right. And I can tell you that I lost about 40 pounds. And I think most of that was inflammation. Mm. 
I have also lost wow. a lot of pain in my life. As a farmer, I lift lots of things, carry mm-hmm. lots of yeah. things, and do all kinds of weird motions that no gym instructor, instructor would ever, no personal Probably trainer not even would a CrossFit. ever like, uh, tell nope. you to do that. They'd be like, nope, you need to get your stance, feet shoulder width apart. I don't get to right. do that. So I would wind up in the chiropractor. I would wind up going for massages in just incredible amounts of pain oh, and tension. wow. And a lot of that's gone. Wow. Through changing... What changing what you eat? I was consuming. Man, eat well. Yeah, eat well. You'll feel better. It'll change your entire life. So good, so good. Eat well. And I think the next thing that stems from that, um, that was really hard for me, is that you need to take care of yourself. Mm. And I got to give myself license to be a little bit selfish here, Mm -hmm. and take time, and go to that chiropractor, go get a massage, spend some time in the sun, meditate, do what you need to do to strengthen yourself so that you can pour into other people. Right. And for me, for a long time, everything in my life seemed to be about serving other people. And I was constantly wearing myself out in order to produce more food for the community. Right. One of my mentors says the most important obligation of every day is self-care. Right. And that's a lesson I'm really trying to learn myself. You're going to wind up doing more for people yeah, in the long run. Exactly. If you take good care of yourself first. That was a hard lesson for me. For sure. Man, that's good stuff. And the last thing I have is um, sort of from my, from the change changes that I've made in my life is that you need to take action. Mm, take action. I have a couple of little signs on my farmer's market stand um, that say, be the change that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. I love that quote. Lots of people comment on that quote, Lee. So many people love that quote. Nobody dislikes that quote. But I think we need to understand that it doesn't say to think about what change you want to see right. in the world <laughs> or understand it or what we tend to get bogged down in is debating what the world should look like. Right. It doesn't say anything about that. It says just to be it. If you want the world to be a kinder place, be kinder. Yeah. And so for me, when I took action to start the farm, it inspired a lot of incredible experiences for me, really changed my life um, and allowed me to be true to myself and impact people's lives through what I love. Oh, man. Well, I I know that you have impacted more people than you know. Just like we were talking about seeds, you really don't know who has been, you don't know the scope of the impact that you've had just from, just from being a farmer in Somerville. It seems small if you're moving here from New York City, <laughs> handling the finances of billionaires, but then you move here and you're on 13 acres in St. George, really helping people change their lives. And yeah, it, I love and, it. And people con- love it. And connecting with people on a next level. Yeah, because it's awesome. Food is a really intimate thing. Like you, yeah, you you put it in your body. All right, David. Well, let's let's move let's move along into what we call the final four. All right, we got four questions. So, final four question number one: When work is over, <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing as soon as I say that out loud. Talking with a farmer, <laughs> when you pause from work. Let me ask it that way. When you pause from work to 
focus on yourself mm-hmm. for those moments and it's time to play, what do you like to do for fun? I actually have a lot shorter work day than I did in New York as a farmer now. There you go. Um, it's it's really nice to to think about that really consciously and work with that. But the thing that I enjoy most most is the same as it was when I was back in New York. I love to cook. And in New York, that was, I think, a reconnection with my grandmothers who always through my childhood showed their love and shared their love with the family by cooking a meal. I build off that. And when I cook, I get to cook something that I grew. You get to cook something that you grew? How awesome is that? Oh my, I cannot even imagine. It's incredible. And when I, when I explain it to people, I really like telling, this, telling it this way. I say, I make the best fried chicken in the world. It started <laughs> eight weeks ago yeah. when I ordered the chicks to make the chicken. And then I fed them every single day of their lives. Oh, I love it. And I, I rotated them onto new grass every single day of their lives. Yeah. You know, and it culminates with, I am the one that picked up the knife. Right. You know, I saw this animal's life through. I know that, exactly what where into. this piece of fried chicken came from. That, oh my that's gosh. That's what went into the fried chicken. Question number two, final four question number two. In the next 12 months, what are you most excited about? I'm really excited to connect with people more intentfully, um, deepen my relationships, and really get to know, go below the surface with people. I've spent um, a lot of time as a farmer being overwhelmed mm-hmm. by the task sure. of the farm. And things, There's always something else to do. Things have finally settled in a bit where I'm in a place that I get to like step off my island, so to speak. Nice. And really connect with people because the support that I've received from this community um, in Somerville and in Charleston has been incredible. That's awesome. This farm would not exist without some really awesome supporters. And uh, I want to connect with those people and dive a little deeper into their lives. Fantastic. That's, <laughs> that, that is exciting. All right, question three. What is a parting piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience? I think the, the biggest thing that focuses me now in my life is to have a mission statement, mm. to be clear on what it is you want to accomplish. Um, it's a tool that I had read about over the years, and this is the first time I really have one that I, that I love. So I'd like to share yeah, it. Yeah, you, you got to share it now. You can't, you can't leave us hanging. So this is my mission. I inspire a warm, connected, mindful community by creating enjoyable, healthy, sustainable food and sharing it with love. I love that. And now I get to, I get to gauge all the decisions of my life based off so of that. Does it, that does it match up with what my mission is? Yeah. If it does, let's do it. If not, mm, nope. And I think getting clear on where you want to go, where mm-hmm. you want to be, what impact you want to have. It's critical. It's, it's one of the best decisions you can make. It's like, you know, seeing the forest through the trees. Right. Like if you're not taking actions, little actions each day to build towards your long-term goals, I feel like I just wind up running in circles. Oh man. So this and is, I imagine on a farm, there's no end of circles that you could run in. <laughs> it's an endless series there's of no loops. No end of circles. <laughs> For sure. All right, well, David, question number four is, what's the best way for the audience to get in touch with you? This is my favorite question. I've been waiting for this. There you go. Um, The best way to get in touch with me is to come see me at the farmer's market. 
And the farmer's market is starting just in a few weeks. Yeah, the Somerville market starts Saturday, April 14th. Well, my family is definitely going to be there. Yeah, a lot of families will be. It'll we be love a huge event. the farmer's market. Oh, my goodness. Up until then, I'm at John's Island every Saturday on the John's Island farmer's market. And uh, also, Mount Pleasant farmer's market starts April 3rd. Okay. So there's three opportunities. Three opportunities, depending on where you are during yep. the week. Face-to-face time with your farmer. Have you any go. questions about our food, how what, it's What's grown. y'all's website? Uh, wishboneheritage.com. Okay. Uh, the best way to like connect with the farm and follow us is on Instagram at Wishbone Heritage Farms. It's one of the easiest ways to really get to know your food. Follow local farmers. See what they're posting. See what their farms look like. It's so simple. Gives you a gauge of, hey, how is this farmer doing? What do they do? What do their crops mm-hmm. look like? What do their animals look like? What are the conditions they're in? Nice. It's live. It's in print right in front of you. So That's take awesome. a look. All right. Bonus question, not in the advance packet. With everything you have going on right now, and the answer could be anything, what is saving your life right now? Curveball, Yaden. What is saving my life right now? What's saving your life right now? Relationships. Relationships. Connecting with mm. people. Yes. Is, is saving my life. That's awesome. Absolutely. I had a, a customer... I, I email out, you can join our email list on the, on the website, um, but I email out every week sort of synopsis of, of what's going on at the farm. And a few, through, through a few weeks ago, I had sent out maybe not the happiest emails. Some prices had to go up and some different things needed to happen because as a farmer, I'm under a lot of financial stress. And one of my best customers' response was, hey, I just put a check in the mail, add it to my gift card when you get a chance. I'm thinking about you. And that was just hugely powerful. It made a huge difference in my life, my day, my week, my spring. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my relationships with other people. Relationships are saving your life. It fuels the fire. That's awesome, man. For sure. David, I'm so grateful that you took, that you paused from all the work that you have going on with deliveries, with the farm, with just your life to share an hour with me um, for the show. Happy to do it. You know, listeners, if you have not met your farmer, then you need to. Here in Somerville, the Somerville Farmer's Market, coming soon in April, we have such an amazing farmer's market. Come out, come meet the people that produce amazing quality food. Our guest this week again, David Gravelin, the founder, owner, operator. Farmer. Farmer. The chief farmer at Wishbone Heritage Farms. Thanks, Aiden. And I'm your host, Yaden Smith. You've been listening to Somerville Advice Givers Podcast, where we connect you with the advice you need when life happens. Have a great week, listeners. We'll see you next time.